Thanks again for joining us wherever you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this. It's the Metalist. I'm Dave. And for the first time, I'm Jason. Exactly. No. 51st or 52nd. <laughs> Fuck numbers. So, yeah, today we're doing something a little different and a little fun. We're actually going to discuss or, <laughs> we're gonna discuss our favorite debut albums. And let me add this stipulation real quick just to narrow things down a little. When we're talking debut albums... Are we including bands who only put out one album? I'm not including that, and I'm also not counting EPs. Okay, I, I wasn't counting EPs either, but I figured it's like, well, to be a debut album, in, that... In fact, when I wrote down like 30 fucking songs, sorry, 30 albums, or 30 plus, whatever the fuck, I mean, it was a lot. I wrote down a bunch of them. Right. Actually, one of my, my self-imposed things was I didn't want somebody who only had like two albums. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, like okay. I wanted bands that had like an actual career, mm-hmm. you know. And one, the one that was weird, to, I mean, to get right into it, one was weird. I just think about. I actually didn't include it in my list because, to me, it's still a side group, even though they have plenty of stuff. I still consider them a side group, so I didn't count it in my list. But that's a uh, down Nola. Oh, yeah. which is a fucking awesome debut album yeah i mean honestly like i guess probably nowadays you know your debut album probably isn't that big of a deal because a lot of bands even if they're on a like you know i mean there's a lot there's still a lot of bands that are on labels there's a lot that aren't on labels but also man like you can just put out whatever you want to put out whenever you want to put it out so mm-hmm. and it's not like you're going to get if you get dropped from a label, I mean, you could still put out music. So yeah. Like, I wonder if it's that big, like if it's that crucial now, I mean, it's never really been crucial because there's been plenty of bands that have gotten very popular and very big. I'm thinking something like white zombie or something like Pantera or, Mm -hmm. Oh, they had another one in mind. I can't remember the fuck it was, but they didn't. I mean, it's like their first one to two, maybe even three albums weren't really that great. Oh, for sure, dude. That that helped a yeah. lot with this whole thing. It's just there's, like, there's quite a few bands like that where they didn't really hit. I'm not even saying hitting their stride. They didn't get popular. Like they didn't get big until like several albums in. Yeah, that was the, that's what nixed at the gates for me completely. You know, what I mean, that was a very right, easy right. one. Or Carcass, yeah. as we discussed Car- prior. Carcass was another one that crossed my mind. I was like, huh, like Demu Borgir crossed my mind with that. Almost all of the New England metalcore stuff. Yeah, yeah same. Fall, that, yeah. Uh, all That Remains, Unearth, Kill Switch Engage. I mean, out of those, Kill Switch Engage's debut, I think, is the best out of all of those. Yeah, and them, even then. None of them are that great of, of debuts. In fact, no. Shadows Fall, like their first two albums aren't that great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Of One Blood, but I, that's just me. I, I know a lot of right. people don't. It's I, what was the other you one? Know, Chimera, their first album wasn't as yeah. It wasn't even really indicative of what they even were. True, true. You know, it's there's a lot of that stuff where I was kind of just going through these bands, and I'm like, fuck, like as hard as it was, it's just because the scope is so huge. Because I mean, I was going back to like 60s and 70s. I was thinking, yeah, same rock. Yeah, you know, and trying to get 
everything in the scope. And, and I was like, you know, there's a lot of these groups that just, you know, they had, I mean, or the debuts, you know, the debuts fine, mm. but it's not that big of a deal. And then it was like, the other part of it is, you know, is it one of my favorite debuts? Like I yeah. think Van Halen's debut was a pretty big deal. Cause I mean, uh, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's unleashing Eddie Van Halen on the world. Right. Like, right. And you know, we talked about it in the Van Halen episode. I mean, they have eruption at song two, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was a big thing, but at the same time, it's like, is it one of my favorite debut albums? No, it's not on my list, but I wrote that one down where like, I didn't write uh, like deep purple. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. Dude, the album that really got them big, you know, machine head, I mean, that's like their fucking fourth out, third or fourth album. Yeah, same with um, what was I gonna? Uh, Journey. We were talking about Journey right. a while back, and like they didn't really become what they were until way later. Nobody really knows yeah. those first three albums. Queen. You, there's another one. Yeah. You know, I I looked at I was looking at their first album. I'm just like, mm. yeah. You know, not that big of a deal. ACDC is another one. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But one thing I was I was gonna ask you, did you count Ozzy and like Dio? you know, or guys that had already been established. I mean, I would have, but neither of them made my list neither, either. Neither made, okay. I, I yeah. tried. I thought I was being very generous with some of this. And now that I'm thinking about it, I was pretty under a magnifying glass about this whole thing, man. I, cause I was like, Blizzard and fucking Holy Diver are like really fucking good albums. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying you know? for, but yeah, it didn't, it didn't make mine, but I almost, yeah. I, I almost didn't, I didn't write those ones down mm-hmm. in my huge list because I was kind of like, well, okay, Blizzard of Oz was a big deal. I mean, you know, unleashed Randy Rhodes on the world. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, eh, it's kind of cheating, man, because Ozzy was Black Sabbath. I mean, everybody knew who he was, you know, so yeah. automatically the album's going to be big. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of went off of like, one, if do I like it? You know, I mean, there's lots of debut albums I'm not. It's like whatever. I don't, you know. I'm I've been known to be the guy that doesn't really like the debuts. Another thing I thought of too was one big was like historical significance. Like, is this album a big deal to music? Mm-hmm. You know, that was that was one of my one of the things. Like, um, I think there's probably I think probably two, at least two or three in my list that are uh, probably three that were like a really big deal. Yeah, yeah, I think that's about the number for me. Maybe four, five even. So just so anybody knows, like right now, I mean, obviously we're not going to talk about our first exposure to debut albums. So we're just going to talk about a bunch of debut albums before we get into the list, man. Like this episode definitely won't be as long as the Aussie one. (laughs) Yeah. But like I was thinking of Boston, like that's widely regarded as one of the greatest debut albums of all time. Yeah. But like all of those big hit songs that you hear from Boston on the radio, they're all on that album. Like it's huh. a fucking banger of an album, dude. I mean, banger, like Boston bangers. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, it's not mosh heavy or anything like that, but I mean, dude, it's, it's like fucking, like I'll run it fucking down real quick for you. So, you, I mean, you don't have to fucking look it up if you don't fucking want to, Right. but it's Boston, Boston from 1976, dude, right off the bat, more than a feeling right into peace of mind and then four play long time. And then rock and roll band, right. I mean, song five, you're at smoking, hitch a ride, something about you. Let me take you home tonight. So, I mean, those first five songs are all singles, hmm. like big classic rock singles. Right. You know, and I mean, the production on it was stellar. Tom Scholes was just the man when it came to that shit. I mean, they recorded that in their fucking basement. Hmm. 
that was a fucking really big one. I mean, as far as like historic significance, Korn's debut. Mm, I didn't like, think that was that. a big deal. Like that was yeah. one of the first of the new new metal fucking style, and was definitely the first time you know most people heard that you know the really detuned guitars and yeah, Ross Robinson unleashed on the world. It was yeah, massively yeah. influential in a number of ways. Adidas, sure. which then they disavowed two albums later. But they set that. I remember in the 90s, all the kids wore Adidas because of Corn, and even the other bands that took off because of them. You know what I mean? Like it was huge. Right. I mean, it was it was pretty. It was really big. They, I mean, that was almost like cultural significance. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? Um, oh, I'm yeah. thinking uh, Emperor in the Nightside Eclipse. Okay. You know, because I mean, that's you know, fuck, man. I mean, that's fucking probably one of the greatest black metal albums ever recorded. No doubt there's other ones that are like significant in the fact that like, Oh, this is kind of the first of the genre, but like, it's not like that album was the one that made that genre. Right. It was just yeah. the thing that kind of kicked it off or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like, you know, like in flames or something like that. Oh yeah. I've in flames and soil work and shit. Yeah. There's not a single Gothenburg band on my list. Right. And it's because it wasn't their first albums that really got them. In fact, in flames and dark tranquility, man. I mean, you, they swapped singers right after this. I mean, mm-hmm. everything changed after their debut album. Yeah. So I got one here that I found. Like, okay, one I really would like to talk about. This would be like almost honorable mention level, dude. Mudvayne LD50. Okay. Yeah. That album fucking bangs, dude. And it bangs hard. And it yeah. bangs really complicated. Like, yeah, for real. Know? Especially considering what it was. That it's they yeah. it kind of gets overlooked how progressive and technical and actually musically accomplished that whole thing is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's I mean it it was nine years in the making. Yes. Uh, you know, we're tr- gonna try to not tread too hard on some of this stuff because we have episodes coming up for some of the you know, we'll have episodes coming up for a lot of these bands. Oh yeah. Um pretty much all of them as mm-hmm. far as i'm concerned but that was you know yeah that was nine years in the making it was it was you know how you have like a you had like death metal but then you had like technical death metal yeah now exactly. you have like death core but there's technical death core yeah yeah so this is tech this uh, was like, new metal yeah it's like technical <laughs> new metal <laughs> yeah man for real i mean it was it's crazy dude and you know what's weird is they really only had like two maybe three singles off of it i mean obviously dig and death blooms did they release anything else off of there? I don't know about full on single, but I know they were pushing nothing to gain. It was spelled like oh, right, right. G-E-I-N. They had a video yeah. for it. Yeah. But the thing is, is, like, that's not a fucking radio album. No, dude. And considering like, the fact that the fucking first single you put out front is the by far and away heaviest, most intense song on the album. And it was a huge hit, dude. Like, oh my gosh, what a wild yeah. time that was. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. And to <laughs> think sure. that this whole thing has a whole new life because the burp burp dang things become a meme yeah. and it's funny, but at the same time, everybody has to kind of go, but it also does fucking slap at the same time, dude. Like, Oh the yeah. Guys, a damn good talented bassist. The drummer's pretty good. The least musically accomplished dude in the band was the guitar player of all things. And even yeah. he was holding it down pretty good, you know? Oh yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's a crazy fucking album, dude. Like, yeah. Um, one we did talk about earlier that I'll bring up. I don't know if it's in your list, but Machine Head burned my eyes. Oh yeah, of course. They, That's, they, it's they in really my. Took, actually, I think we said it in the episode, but they really took what Biohazard did and like next leveled it. Yes, absolutely. You know, they took it to another level. I mean, so probably the same levels of quote unquote urban, but like mm-hmm. they really meddled it up. Oh yeah, they took that metal element because you know. Biohazard was always a multi-pronged thing and 
machine head kind of focused on that one thing. You know, we talked about burn my eyes being a reaction to Rob Flynn's dissatisfaction. Dis- <laughs> wow. That's a tough one tonight. <laughs> dissatisfaction with where metal was at the time in 1994, oh, 1993, around the time they would have been making it. So taking all these different influences from all these different things and putting a whole new lease on the life of the genre, taking it a whole new direction. You know what I mean? Like, like there's a reason it's such a landmark. And of course the songwriting front to back, the way, you know, it's sequenced like the, the aesthetic with that Dave McKean, the famous comic book artist, Dave McKean artwork, who did a bunch of shit for different bands. Colin Richardson on the production, dude, like it was Roadrunner's top selling debut until another that's going to be coming up pretty soon. Oh, yeah, man. I, I'm going to throw a good shout out to Gish by Smashing Pumpkins. It has like, you know how we said like on Despised Icon where we said like Ills a Modern Man had the emptiness to it? Yes. That's how this is. There's like a lot of emptiness to it. Yeah. Is this, this is the one or maybe even the first two albums. That was Butch Vig, right? Yeah. Another one that started off as a side project that ended up becoming a huge thing. I mean, they've released a shitload of shit like it or not that first fucking six feet under album oh yeah it's perfect it's chris barnes from cannibal corpse singing over top of obituary music by Mm -hmm. alan west like that's exactly what it was billed as and that's exactly how it fucking sounds is this first one because this is like the one that still doesn't get regarded as a joke this was a this is haunted yeah, this is it's um yeah exactly, but it's uh it, that this was a Scott Burns production, if I'm not mistaken, back when he still was doing that. I don't know who produ- who produced it actually. I'll look it up. Mm-hmm. No, but it's got fucking you know it's got the, like lycanthropy. That's I was just gonna say a werewolf song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it had you know the song Haunted is really fucking good. My favorite one is Remains of You. You know, that's that's one thing I think of when we think about when you think about albums, because a lot of people aren't album listeners now. So I, I mean, we can get to that real quick is like, I don't I mean, I don't really care now, but like I never liked albums that were just full on like front loaded. Right. Yeah, for you sure. Know, I want the whole album to be fucking good. And I mean, Remains of Use on side two, like Beneath the Black Sky is a fucking banger of a song, dude. Um, the Enemy Inside is the first album. Fuck, man. There's some really good songs on that first Six Feet Under. You're basically like clear for Six Feet Under. If you don't mind the covers, you're good until 2000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, because all of those, I like the cover albums, the Graveyard Classics. I like, I like the all first those, one. I don't know that I ever heard the other two. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save it. Another death metal one, dude suffocation effigy the forgotten that's on mine too is it on your list oh it's not on my list it's on my uh, honorable mentions yeah yeah i mean because it was just like i mean that's probably i guess that's probably the first brutal death metal album ever right i mean yeah yeah that's it's it's what set the bar period man everybody else with the exception of obituary and maybe a couple other bands got so much more brutal they were all going for that next rung on the ladder because that's i feel like probably they felt like they had to keep up if nothing else right like like that just changed the game so fucking much not that it was like night and day between all the bands that came before and that like you could kind of see it building to that but when it hit that pinnacle dude you know they never looked back oh i was gonna say too that's the big thing um for uh six feet under also it is produced by scott burns and brian slagle oh no shit and it's Hmm. mixed and engineered by scott burns but also i also forgot man it's basically fucking cannibal corpse obituary and death terry butler's on it yeah yeah for sure terry butler's playing bass so i mean 
it's it's a great fucking album but yeah like it's it's crazy because like if you go to cannibal corpse's first two albums which are before suffocation mm-hmm. at least the first one is yeah you know they're still in you know, same with altars of madness they're still in that just really heavy thrash like cannibal corpse didn't get what people consider brutal especially vocally until like tomb of the mutilated which was like right around the same time effigy yeah where you straight up can't understand what chris barnes is saying right it was basically like death metal was this thing and then fucking cannibal corpse and suffocation double teamed it both from the east coast but north and south and just boom it just smashed everybody with fucking brutal death like yeah and it just got more brutal and crazier from there yeah it's when death metal really became death metal like straight up for sure what Classic, do you got yeah. on some of yours? What do you got on some of yours? So, going first and foremost, Bad Brains, self-titled. Nice. Uh, I know a lot of people like Eye Against Eye, and a lot of people like uh, Rock for Light. I enjoy both of those to one degree or another as well. But, dude, the rawness on that first Bad Brains, if I heard correctly on one of the many documentaries that are about Bad Brains and the Washington, D.C. hardcore scene in general, was it was a fucking, it was either a live show that they recorded or it was like done in a live setting and it was just taken off uh, the board in the venue the guy ran at the time. I don't remember which venue it would have been, but like, you know, hearing all these things about like what went into that, you know, it's, it's also known as the roar cassette RO or whatever, however you say that it's an abbreviated R O I R cassette. Cause it was only on cassette for years and years and years. And, but just like the songs, it starts off with fucking, attitude or no sailing on and then you got attitude fearless vampire killers like back to front dude like a lot of people say that's the best hardcore record ever it's in the conversation at the very least for sure man it's consistent as hell it has like maybe one or two reggae songs but that was always their vibe was mixing it up like that dude the iconic imagery with the rasta colors framing this picture of the capitol building in dc getting struck by lightning and crumbling yeah man like it's iconic as fuck dude so that's that's in there for sure it might even be my favorite bad brains record that's going to be for another episode but it's it's in contention with one other okay so i also go red album by baroness i remember when they first arrived on the scene dude i haven't seen them since but it was them playing this record front to back before the red chord and then they also played together with converge and genghis tron uh another time very shortly after that and just like the way those songs translated live, dude, the whole record front to back's a journey. And my favorite song is actually the last one uh, that I can't remember the name of apparently, but it's like this epic kind of end credits sequence kind of thing. If like the whole thing's like an audio story. And I know everybody talks about purple. Everybody talks about, uh, I think it's yellow and green and they're awesome too. But like for me, red album was where it was always at. Maybe just because of the you know time and place in my life. Because a lot of people didn't get to them afterwards. So when I don't hear Red in the conversation, I'm kind of bummed, but I kind of understand. But like, Red is it for me. Uh, and you could tell I was doing this in alphabetical order because of some of these. But <laughs> uh, So I goofed because I put Scream Bloody Gore on here twice, apparently. Damn. Uh, yeah. I'm surprised it's not. If you liked it twice, you should be on your list. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like... Uh, no, that's, yeah, that was, uh, that was one that didn't make my list, but it's... I mean, we only get five, so yeah, exactly, right? Like, like you had to, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is a I this mean, is a case. I love that album. Yeah, yeah. This is the case where there's like shit that they did after that we love more, but like this one, we also still love a lot. You know what I mean? Like, fucking, what's not to love? That iconic imagery of the weirdo 
cult zombie dudes drinking blood on some weird it's basically black cauldron but in an album cover and then the you know what i think that production still holds up pretty good for what it is the uh not scott burns but i think it's randy burns in in the bay or whatever dude the songs still rip it's just early death metal in actual album form in its finest quality that you could have asked for in 1987 you know what i mean like oh yeah it's fucking absolutely classic now here's one Nah, I didn't really fight about this with myself. I, it's, I love this album, dude's the the first quicksand album, Slip. Oh fucking, my god! So yeah. yeah, that was one I was. I mean, I was kind of thinking about that. Totally forgot about it. But I mean, one of the reasons why I probably didn't even consider it is because until recently, I thought they only had two albums. Yeah, they did for years and years and years yeah, and years. So yeah. I was kind of like, eh, I mean, I kind of overlooked that one. But dude, that album. Yeah, man. I mean, there's enough there. I could talk about that album enough. Yeah, we will be doing a quicksand. Oh yes, we will. Like, yes, we will. You know, it's gonna be sick. But yeah, I mean, fucking. If it you may never not get a lot to... of listens because probably a lot of people are gonna be like, "What's that?" But yeah, yeah, know, yeah. I could talk about that album forever, dude. Yeah, same. And it seems like the yes, most people that's uh, that I've come across, they talk about the second album more, which I'm like, okay, strange. Second album's cool, but it's no first album to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving down i gotta throw out a quick shout out to rage i don't know that it is my oh favorite rage my album God. i totally fucking forgot to put that down because yeah that's one that's really regarded as one of the best of all time as well yeah man i guess like the idea is that it was recorded so well that that's what uh, a lot of if not most um sound guys use to check levels and shit at venues like like it's that well regarded as and i think that was God, brendan o'brien maybe i didn't fucking put that on there jesus christ yeah it, ba- it barely so fucking good. got by me dude like yeah i mean you got you know rage episode I mean, as well but like i dude. gotta see if that can make it into my list anywhere and it can't but i mean it would be i mean it would be six or seven right 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 i fucking love that album yeah so we talked about another one that i'm bummed didn't make it well, I should say the the debuts of the Roadrunner era. Even though it was the tail end of the '90s, it was still '90s, ushering in a whole new era, dude. The debut Slipknot, fucking crushed, dude. Oh yeah, that's what's uh, surpassed "Burn My Eyes" as the top selling Roadrunner debut of all time, and it's twice platinum, dude. How many double platinum albums have blast beats and screaming and <laughs> fucked up shit? You know what I mean? It's awesome. Uh, dude. Not you've heard a us whole hell of a lot. Yeah, you've heard us yammer about Slipknot on the previous Slipknot episode. If you haven't, go back and listen to it. This is a bit of a preview for an upcoming episode right here too. Is New American Gospel by Lamb of God? See, I don't. I didn't put it anywhere near my list because I don't like that album. A lot of people don't, but like I do. That's my favorite Lamb of God album. Like really? I love the the shitty, you know, tinny, thin Steve Austin production. I love that vocal style that was only on that album. The I inhale? love. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that shrieky fucking, thing. I yeah. cannot stand the fucking drum sound on that album. Oh, I know a lot of people don't, but I love it. It I sounds heard like it. he's playing it on a fucking Kmart kit, dude. I'm just like, Jesus, dude, I hate it so bad. Well, I heard uh, he's now, picking uh, cardboard boxes, which I also like. <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, so they remastered it, and it, was, it sounded a little bit better. Yeah, but not, not much. It still sounds small. Yeah, I do like the songs that are on there when they do them like live, mm-hmm. which I don't uh, think they do anymore at all. 
Oh, like, I mean, I just remember on Philadelphia they did a bunch oh, of them live. For and I was sure. Like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that sound, you know, that's because it has that different sound, and it's it's only the sound of the album. Yeah, for sure. So that's a little time. And I know I'm probably on my own island with that being my favorite one, but it's my favorite. And even if it wasn't, like, I still like it a lot. Uh, and then we just talked about Effigy. So the last one I have on here actually came to me while we were talking, and it's also going to be a band we talk about sometime in the future is Opposite of December by Poison the Well, dude. Ooh, I almost said Suicide Notes of Butterfly Kisses. I thought about that too. Betray You, but I was yeah. like, you know what? It's not. It hasn't it's, aged well. Right, and it's a good album. It's just not as good as like, I, I, I think that was one where it was just like, it got overshadowed by the curse like so hard for me. Yeah, like, same. Yeah. I was just like, okay, like I can't put it on there. Mm-hmm. The album that changed so or Metalcore so much that they ended up changing themselves because they didn't want to be associated with it anymore. Like, yeah, man, that'll be a fun discussion to have. But yeah, that, that was my last honorable mention. Um, I'm uh, going to take got, a stab. and dude, yeah. Godflesh street cleaner. I thought about that. Oh fuck dude. That I thought about that for sure. Awesome. Also dude, head PE. I think it's just self-titled. It's, Is that the, it, the one with the weird colorful artwork. Yeah. That's okay. basically, I think that's just a piece from the, the fucking, the dj okay i can never remember his real name i mean i worked with the dude at hodads but is that dj product DJ or product, whatever I yeah remember, yeah i can't remember the guy's real name but like, uh, i have no idea um i think that was because it looks like his style of art that he does i'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it was some it was a piece that he did but dude it's i mean just for fucking ken 2012 hill and ifo alone then you throw bitches on there you have tos tired of sleep plus pos and I mean, fuck, dude, it's got that one song, you know, you must be confused if you think I give a fuck. Like, it's punky, it's fucking, it's it's rappy, it's new metal, it's rap core, it's alternate, like, it's fucking, if you like Sublime and you haven't heard Head P.E., but you like, you've always wondered what Sublime would be like if they were just a little bit heavier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> listen to head. Listen to the first head PE album from 1997, self-titled album. I was just about um, to ask if you knew when that was from. Sweet. Yeah. Then uh, we got. I got on there. Um, the first Cradle of Filth album. I thought about that too. Yeah. Principles of Evil Made Flesh. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. It's like when album. they're the most black metal they get in the traditional sense. Yeah. The first sense. two. The first two albums. They're really black metal. It's more like vampire black metal though. Yeah, yeah. And then shortly after that, they kind of lean more into the gothic regular. I mean, they're still they're still black metal for quite a while until they really get into just straight up goth shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they um, eventually become their own thing. I haven't heard right. a Cradle record in years, but I heard what they do now is basically just Baden with that Danny Filth high pitched ass scream. Huh. So I'll have to check it out. Almost one day. power metally, huh? I guess I mean, they were black metal for quite a while it's just they were slowly getting more towards a commercial style black metal Mm -hmm. and at some point they just kind of got rid of the black metal like the black part Mm -hmm. and probably i think right around the time amphetamine and and stuff like that was coming out they kind of were just like a gothic melodic death metal band you know kind of they were kind of a different thing. Um, another one that was close to making my list, and I'm not like a huge fan of the dude, but dude, dancing. Oh, shit. Dude. This, I mean, for one, they still play Mother on the radio all the time. Yeah. You know, huge song. But dude, Twist a Cane? Yeah. She? 
Mm-hmm. Fucking Am I Demon? Forget yeah. about yep, it, dude. Yep, like, that album was fucking awesome. And then I have Whitechapel Somatic Defilement. Okay, I thought about um, that too. <laughs> I would say as far as Deathcore bands, the, as far as Deathcore bands debuts, I think that's the best one. Suicide Silence Cleansing comes close. Mm-hmm. But I, I think as an album, as a whole, top to bottom, Somatic Defilement is better than Suicide Silence's uh, first album. Yep, yep, yep. I just I just looked up a couple things while we've been talking to you. Turns out Caius Welcome to Sky Valley is not their first album. I almost uh almost yeah. it's actually their third album. So Yeah, yeah. That's why I didn't have it in there for sure. Yeah, I was kinda like, Oh shit, I did not know that. I did put a lot of new stuff in mine. I guess I, I, I didn't either. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I thought about that too. There's I, there's not, a I'm bracket. not sure why. It's I think it's oh oh I didn't write this one down, but I I, remember, I forgot to write it down. Seven Dust. Yes. Seven I, Dust's first album. Is yeah, that's one I thought of right before this, too. Bomb, dude. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's another honorable mention. It would be really close. I, in fact, I'll probably say both of them. Well, even though one of them's not on fucking Spotify anymore. But, mm. dude, Left Hand Path. I thought about that. Yeah, for sure. Dude, Left Hand okay. Path and like an ever flowing stream from Dismember. Yeah, Dismember hasn't been on there, period, for I'm a while. I'm bummed that it's not on Spotify, man. What, I, what was, all... I was fucking around making a playlist the other day. Yeah. And I was super bummed that it wasn't on there because I wanted like Entombed, Unleashed, and Dismember. And I was like, God damn. Yeah. So I haven't actually looked at Entombed in a while then. Does that mean it's all the just. Um, Earache stuff. All this. No, Entomb's got all the stuff, man. Okay, okay. Yeah, Entomb, it's all there. And then I'm gonna throw another fucking shout out to the Olden Domain from Borknagar mm. is a great debut album. Everybody usually starts around Quintessence. Some people get into the archaic course, mm-hmm. but dude, the Olden Domain is like shout out our buddy Travis Neal, man. Like mm-hmm. he fucking reminded me of that today. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Like for it's sure. it's a fucking great one. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we could sit here all fucking day. I could talk about like Brain Drill's first album, Rings of Saturn's first album is fucking great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, it's a matter of like, okay, like, you know, I mean, we can't just go through everybody. I mean, you kind of can, but not really. But yeah, <laughs> we, we can kind of do what we want. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. It's, it's our fucking, it's our fucking show, man. Do you want to get into the list? Uh, Sure. You want to start it off or should I? Uh, let's have you start it off. Radio. I'm starting at ground zero, man. Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. It's not their best one. Featuring the first song on the fucking album is Black Sabbath. Yeah. Like that alone right there, dude. That sets the tone for everything. Now, granted, and I know there's different uh, track listings for Europe and the UK. So like that gets a little screwy. But. I'm talking specifically about the U.S. version that we have here. So it's five tracks, but it's like four songs on some of those tracks and whatnot. And save some of this for a Black Sabbath episode, I'm sure. But you start with the ultimate fucking scariest thing around at the time, I'm sure. The title track, Black Sabbath. And you get into The Wizard, get some harmonica going up in there. And then it starts getting a little wonky. Because if you look at um, Spotify one of the top songs spoiler alert is nib and i didn't know until i got the album when i was like 13 that to get to nib you have to sit through behind the wall of sleep and all those other things to get to that at the very end you know what i mean like like it's kind of a 
jumbled mess like that because a lot of that shit was just blues jam stuff. You know, I think it was they spent a day recording it and then another day mixing it and that was it. Maybe some guitar overdubs there, but like that was it. And I love that story about that album too, but you know, for what it is. I love this album. I like all that fucking jammy shit, but like. Yeah, same. Yeah. I can't remember who it was. I had I knew somebody that had a an, a record of it mm-hmm. where it had all of this stuff busted up, like uh, into individual tracks. Oh, for real? Maybe it was the CD. Okay, it might have been a CD. Yeah, there's tons of different versions of it with different tracks and right, different songs yeah, completely that we got. What you would see is the is the is the five because they're basically naming like like they named the intro to NIB. Yeah, is is basically, mm. you know, and I think Wasp is uh, the intro. It's, it's like yeah. kind of like the intro to Behind the Wall of Sleep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like an intro song, intro song, all on one track. Yeah, and it's kind of it's funny weird. to think, you know, aside from maybe some of the lyrics on some, like like on on, on IB, the as sinister as it gets is that first song, and then it's just kind of, you know, metallic blues for the rest of it. You know, it's kind of funny to think, especially with the aesthetic. You know, they got the whole thing with the creepy woman on the front cover, and you can go find that spot where it was, t- or the picture was taken, and you can like go pose there yourself. I never had the vinyl, but apparently there was a big thing with there being an upside down cross on the original artwork in the vinyl, or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, something like that. And that was like a record company decision, and not theirs. And you know all the little lore i feel like we could do an entire episode on this album alone but like oh, you yeah, know dude the, i mean we'll get into fucking black sabbath because i mean i'm about to start fucking throwing down riffs yep 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 <laughs> for sure oh, like, oh man fuck yeah. dude here we go yeah yeah uh, it is it is weird that it's like uh you know black sabbath 618 the wizard 423 wicked worlds 445 but then for some reason you have wasp behind the wall sleep basically and then i'd be at nine minutes and 44 seconds mm-hmm. and then you have a bit of finger sleeping village warning now warning on its own is a long song yeah for sure but you know you you throw in the extra stuff now it's 14 minutes and 13 seconds yeah ain't that some shit and it's like why yep yeah i, I yeah really truly <laughs> If I'm not mistaken, if you look at the UK and maybe Euro um, pressing, like the way that shit's laid out makes way more sense. And it has other songs that we don't have here. I'd be curious to hear that. Really? Like what? Yeah. Well, well, the big one, because it got released as a single before anything else was this cover of a band, I think, called Raven, maybe, or Crow. No, I think it's Crow, called Evil Woman. And that's the very first thing that got released by Black Sabbath was this cover single called evil woman um and i think that is on the british album if not i know there's like other songs and stuff like there was this whole thing about like how the track listing is weird same with acdc you look at the australian version of some of those early albums their track listing and some of the songs are way different than the others like that's a product of a time long ago you know between record companies and whatnot but yeah man i mean this had to come up in the conversation somewhere dude but sabbath by sabbath classic Right, Looking forward right. to that episode. Yeah, On that note, I mean, fuck. what is your number five? My number five is Nine Inch Nails, Pretty Hate Machine. Ah, yes. Fucking There's a good one. Very important album. Ministry wasn't quite getting the people rallied up for industrial music, and here comes Trent Reznor out of nowhere. Yeah, for sure. I mean, fuck. I just listened to this the other day. 
we came up with this idea for this episode like what two days ago give or take it's crazy because like you said like you know oh, let's do debut albums and i mean one of the first things i thought of was pretty hate machine because i just fucking listened to it i think we were at work oh man somebody said it, it's it's up above it or something like that like yeah 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 travis yeah, yeah. goes travis is all now i'm down in it you know yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and i was like great now i have to hear pretty hate machine and it's like mm-hmm. dude you start off i mean had like a whole just took everybody by fucking storm mm-hmm. you know i mean it was it was crazy but you throw in fucking terrible lie down in it sanctified something i can never have that's side one mm-hmm. and it's like man i don't know if there's a better like there's not a whole lot of albums that have a better side one than that true but you have like you know kind i want to and sin but then it's like that's what i get the only time and then right into ring finger to end it out like fuck dude and it's like there's not a ton of guitar on it right you know, there's there's guitar on it, but not a not a whole shitload of it. And then you throw on the fact that like you're probably whoever's showing you this album, or if you're showing someone an album at the time, it's not even 1990 yet. I was gonna ask. It's late 80s, right? It's 89. Yeah. 89, I mean, okay. and and it's like you're gonna explain to them that it's one guy. Yeah. Right. You know, this is one dude. Like. Yeah. There's like one credit that Richard Patrick had on. Yeah. One of the releases, I don't even remember if it's this. I'm not but sure if it's this or not. It's but, literally like one note ringing out, and that's it. Well, and usually, and I mean, a lot of this, a lot of the stuff was like, even with later albums, it was you know he's got somebody just noodling on a guitar, and he used the sample, you know. So yeah, he, yeah. So he gave them credit for the album, but right. I mean, it's it's all it's all it's all trend, dude. And I mean, Charlie yeah. Clouser did a lot of stuff with him later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that dude Robin Fink also. Yeah, yeah, uh, Chris Ooh, Verona or Verena or whatever. Yeah, they, I mean, you know, he he started crediting, and, they, and I mean, as far as I know, they they helped write some stuff later. Oh, I'm sure. I think he loosened um, up a little over. Now it's for the first time, not first time. It's been this way for a while, but like for the first time in the in the existence of Nine Inch Nails as an entity, he finally has somebody else as an official member within like the last five years or however long oh, really? it's been. Yeah, it's um, Atticus Ross, who was his scoring partner for um, movies and now he's just like fuck it you're part of nine inch nails for like the first time in the whole existence yeah There's i will an actual say other this person. man like clouser fink and and verona or Ver- verona those were dudes that got credited as like the, okay this is his live band yeah yeah exactly but he would take samples from those guys i mean clouser and you know clouser was very busy i mean he did uh you know movies and whatnot so mm-hmm. you know they were they were all pretty busy they all wrote but i mean at pretty hate machine it was just him yeah well, okay, so I'm looking at it. Yeah, it's uh, Sanctified is the one song that has uh, Richard Patrick ringing out at the very end, and that's it. That's the only credit he has. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, there's like a bunch of other contributions from a lot of these guys. Most of it's engineering, but, mixing, you know. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of it's like, you know, technical stuff. or you Oh, know, they're Chris not, They're okay. not really oh. writing credits or like fucking, nah, there's yeah. not a lot of uh, performance credits yeah. with this album. But I mean, it's one of the best side ones I've ever fucking heard in my life. Most definitely. And it's just, it's a fucking awesome album, dude. Like, yeah, I don't know whoever needs to hear this, but if you haven't heard it yet, go listen to it, man. Yeah. There's a whole new remixed remastered version. That's pretty sick from what I've heard. I don't know that I've actually heard it yet. I was just thinking this in hindsight, that's going to be a fun episode too. But also the video for, um, down in it, who the hell is that other guy with him in the video? There's there's people in head like a hole too. Yeah, but like, there's like 
just one guy and down in it. Oh, and really? it's like, yeah, there's like no musical performance. I don't think it's literally just them like running around or something. I ought to watch that later. I haven't seen I'm that not, in years. Yeah, I'm not sure. Cause I, I always remembered like, you know, you would tell somebody it's one guy and they're like, Oh no, it's the whole band. It's like, no, that's just the video. Yeah. Yeah. Marilyn Manson. I don't ever know why he did that. I, I because at the time, it's not like we hadn't seen like Phil Collins videos or yeah, or even yeah. like some of those Dire Straits videos where that's a legitimate full band, but they're but Mark Knopfler's the only one in the music video, right? Or uh, Speed in uh, the video for Stabbing the Drama by Soilwork. It's like just him in a uh, junkyard or something like that, singing at right. the camera. There's, there's lots of videos that do that, so I've always wondered why he chose to put. You know, maybe it was just a you know a marketing thing. It's you know, oh, people might not be into this if they find out it's one guy. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Different time, for sure. Yeah, that'll um, be that'll what, be a good episode. What's number four for you? All right, so they had to pop up eventually, dude. Fucking Shy Halud, hearts once nourished with hope and compassion <laughs> from 1997, dude. So here's the thing: the first time I heard of this album, it was the remix by Zeus version. And um, and it actually sounds pretty good for when it was re-released in 2006. Just like, oh, this is from back then. I heard about how much this album sounds like shit. Sure enough, just as a um, as a way of saying, all right, you're gonna complain that the original mix sounds better. We included it on this album as well, so you can contrast. And it's just like, oh my god, dude, yes, the, the original version sounds so thin. Like, I can't imagine, like, maybe if I grew up with it, I'd like it more. But like, even I'm just like, no, dude, this sounds very underproduced. So shout out to Zeus for just being cool in general, but especially that remix he did on that. This is, you know, their first exposure after putting out a couple, maybe, well, one EP for sure. uh, Two splits, I think it is at the time with other bands. Chad, not the original singer, but the singer on this album was only like 15 or 16 at the time. And he still sounds fucking, he sounds exactly like he did then now, but like more pissed. It's, it's gnarly, dude. It's the thing. This was regarded as the classic album by Shai Halud for years and years and years. Uh, a lot of people seem to think it's the second one now. Both great, different albums. But yeah, man, I think it's nine songs. Like, it's, it's awesome. They still play the hell out of the old songs. In retrospect, Matt Fox, who is Shai Halud for all intents and purposes, uh, has come out saying man i don't i get kind of bummed out about how much people like this compared to the other stuff because like their songs on it we just don't like as much it was just like we needed something to put out so here's the songs we put out and but he also understands and respects this is a lot of people's favorite and like it's awesome man that's how it goes i mean i'm sure there's probably lots of bands that are like man y'all into that first shit yeah yeah (laughs) and this is what set the precedent for along with strong arm also set the precedent for that first Poison the Well album that we mentioned, Counterparts, The Ghost Inside, Old right, Hundredth, 97. Like, like this was very ahead of its time, dude. It's melodic hardcore with progressive metal like shit in it, dude. Like, like this is this was they were the ones that coined the term metalcore and it caught like wildfire. Like, again, we're I'm gonna bust a way bigger nut once we get into an actual Shy Halud episode, but this had to be on there, man. And that's the thing is this was my favorite Shai Halud album until the last one came out. They're pretty much done, right? No, they, they kind of cooled down. Um, they don't put out albums a lot, do they? No. Like, and, are they done enough that we could do an episode soon? Uh, I mean, done as any band is right now. They, they were going to be on, fi- uh, not Firefest, fuck, not Firefest, sorry, Furnace Fest. 
and the current singer is somebody that as a fan i'm really fucking stoked to see he was the original or the uh, former singer of rain supreme jay pepito who also plays bass and end and like i guess it was kind of him that lit the fire under fox again saying hey man i want to sing for shy halud let's do some shit and I guess it's kind of him that got him going again. And it all got put on hold because of fucking COVID. And Matt Fox fucking says he has an album written. He just doesn't think anybody would be interested. To which I say, everybody, please send him a message saying we want to hear that album. Please. Uh, yeah, I was just wondering because I, I was like, you know, we could fast track one. But I mean, if they're about to put out new shit, we should probably wait. <laughs> oh, no, that's not happening anytime soon. I think I think we'd be safe. As much as I would like to hear that. I guess on that note, go check out his other band that he's more invested in right now, uh, Zombie Apocalypse. It's also very awesome. Yeah, I did check that out. That's pretty good shit. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So check out both of those. On to your number four. My number four, uh, we might have to fast track this one too, man. Mm -hmm. Self-titled album from Suicidal Tendencies in 1983. Oh, shit. Every single song. Granted, yeah, some yeah. of them are only like a minute and four seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but different time. You know, you've got it kind of starts off with suicide as an alternative slash you'll be sorry. Two-sided politics, eh, I mean, take it or leave it, but it's a minute and four seconds. So if you don't like it, just wait. Mm -hmm. you know, but then, dude, right off the bat, I shot Reagan. I, well, it's, I shot the devil, but I shot Reagan. And then it's like right into subliminal. Mm -hmm. fucking with me subliminally you got i won't fall in love today and then boom institutionalized the fucking big you know the the huge one on the album but you got yep. memories of tomorrow you got possessed you got i saw your mommy and your mommy's dead yep yeah fascist pig i want more and then you ended off a suicidal failure it's funny it's punky it's socal skater punk yep like it's awesome the guitars sound cool. The bass lines are fucking cool. You know, I mean, this is pre Trujillo, but like, you know, they're not as funky as they as they got at one point. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, it's every single song on this shit is like huge to me and several other Suicidal Tendencies fans. Mm -hmm. um, there's not a whole lot of albums where I can literally just like, I'm so down for like every single song on the album. There's 12 songs. I mean, granted, it's not a very long album. It's 12 songs, and like I said, they're all relatively short. Yeah. I mean, I think the longest one is I Saw Your Mommy, and that's like almost five minutes. Which is fucking goofy, because that song, as much as I like it, does not need to be that long. Well, it's just, there's 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 some solos in it. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's why it's that long. Also, this is pre-Rocky George, too, just so, I mean, we'll get to a Suicidal Tendencies episode soon, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is pre-Rocky George. I mean, the dude's name is Grant Estes, like... Mm -hmm. In fact, I think it's pre-everybody but Muir. It really is. Like, like uh, the only other name I can think of is Luchi Mayorga because I don't know Mayorga about... Luchi the only... Because Mike Clark wasn't on this album, was he? I don't think... I think they were still a four-piece. Right, right. Yeah, so yeah. it was, it was Luchi and then... Uh, I can never remember the fucking bass player's name. Anyway, yeah. this to me... This is one of my all-time favorite albums, man. Like, you know, and it's... it's uh, they've redone it? Yes, I, I was going to say, so nice they re-recorded it twice, or recorded it twice. Have you ever heard the re-recorded version? Dude, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, that, that's fair. It's fine. Um, it just doesn't have the same I don't spirit. like it because Mike is, when they redid it, by that time, Mike is, you know, Psycho Mike-o, and mm -hmm. I like that for what they were doing now and at the time. I don't like it for what they were doing back then. Yeah. It doesn't have the same, like, it, it, this is a classic case of like, okay, fine you know you can say this band's ripping off this band whatever bands can't even rip themselves off dude 
Yeah, for sure. It doesn't work. Yeah. Every, all of these old old band, you know, these older bands, and I, I love the fact that they're re-recording a lot of their stuff so that they have the rights for it and whatnot, and they can make all the money. That's fucking fantastic. But it's not just suicidal tendencies. It's lots of bands. Yeah. Um, even even like I've li- I've been listening to some of the old funk bands and like R&B groups and stuff that have re-recorded their stuff from the 70s and 60s. And I'm telling oh. you, man, like there was something happening in the studio mm-hmm. that got that shit to sound that way and got them to perform it a certain way that just cannot be recaptured. Yeah, no, for sure. And it just never sounds the same. Yeah. Sometimes that works out. Sometimes they make it a little bit better. But a lot of times it just it doesn't really work all that great. Yeah, you know what? I almost feel like there's a sub episode to be had where it's like re-recordings that did work because like <laughs> top five re-recorded albums or re-recordings songs, whatever. Yeah, re-recordings in general. Because like I'm like, yeah, not all of them are albums, not all of them are EPs, songs, whatever. Right? But yeah, like, that'd be a, that'd be a cool. F- I'm gonna put that in the list of lists. Yeah, because I a few are running through my head right now that I'm like, in the oh. list list. Yeah. On to number three for you, good sir. All righty. This had to be in there in some place, man. River Runs Red. Life of Agony. <laughs> Dude, I... Okay. I can't put this, it on my list. I, I can't take anything out. I mean, I could probably pull my number two. Maybe. But you know what? I'll just adopt your number three. Yeah. We can share. Yeah, it's fine, dude. <laughs> it's it's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only reason okay. I didn't put it on my list was because I just it was a situation where it's like, oh, I mean, they don't really have that much al- that many albums. I I, have- I honestly don't know why I didn't fucking put it in my. I don't even think I wrote it down. But I talked about it with Travis earlier today, so I don't know why I didn't fucking put it in there. But yeah, man. You want like, to talk about a fucking storm in a scene, dude. Yeah, dude. Coming out swinging, dude. This is the only album that a lot of people like by them. I was that way for a long time. I've come around and I liked a number of things they've done since. Not all of it. But like, yeah, dude. Like, This was the only time they sounded like this. It was the perfect yeah. mix of New York hardcore, crossover metal, uh, even some fucking alternative rock. That was the, yeah, you know, cause a little bit of alternative. In yeah. There. Cause every, a lot of bands were doing hardcore and metal, but this was their extra little flavor that that was all their own, man. And they had this melodic sensibility about them. The concept of the album alone, obviously we're doing an episode about LOA too. So I'm not going to oh, try yes. to blow too big a load, but dude, like what a, what a fucking impact to make right out the gate with this one, dude. Like, yeah. Ask, here's what you could do. Just ask any of your friends. Or ask random strangers. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Fucking live a little. Yeah. <laughs> ask them if they've heard River Runs Red at all. Yeah. And get ready for an earful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah, I've ever sure. met that 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 likes this, like, there's no one that just like kind of likes this album. Mm-hmm. I've, in fact, I've never met anybody that hates the album. They either love the album or they've never heard it. Or they don't like it. I've I've talked to people that don't like really? LOA. Wow. I've yeah. never met anybody who's heard it that They're, doesn't like it. Very few and far between, but they're out there. But yeah, like you said, it usually falls into one camp or the other of I've just never heard of that or fucking that album changed my life or saved my life or blank my life. You know what I mean? Like that, it's a very impactful album. So not, you know, to say the least again, it's just interesting that they go the direction they do after this. And more power to them if that's what they want to do. But just like fucking, I guess, how do you top this one? Have you listened to the sequel album yet? No. It's good. It's just, it's not this. You know what I mean? But it's cool that they like tried to revisit that. It's just like, oh shit, the guy lived. 
where do you go from there? Like, it's it's kind of interesting, but like, yeah, dude, the fact that this album has a story structure to it, it has those fucking haunting sketches, dude. Like, like that. Oh that, yeah, the dude, very those end. sketches on there are fucking intense. Man. Yeah. Which again, this album was produced by Josh from Typo Negative, and you can kind of hear a little of that in the production. But just like even the the way that Typo had um had sketches, like like on World Coming Down, like like even Peter Steele says he couldn't listen to it anymore because it was scaring him. Like they, uh, they, that whole theatrical niche that the Josh and typo had translated to this one album by LOA. And so they had that little connection cause they had the same drummer at the time as well. Yeah. But like, dude, yeah, there, there will be, I feel like this is another album that deserves its own episode right here alone, dude. Like we could go track by track and get <laughs> the story swapping. I know some people that would want to do that. Oh, I know. I was, I've been throwing around this idea. I, I talked to you about it a little bit about doing like a, you know, genre essentials where we, the episodes literally just as long as it takes us to listen to the album. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then what we could do is you can listen to it on your end. I can listen to it on my end. Mm hmm. And we just we could either do an album commentary or we could just take notes during each song and then fucking talk about each song like track by track. Yeah. I'm not sure. sure which way I think would be better. Maybe we could try it both ways. Mm -hmm. If that's something you'd be interested in, man, fucking let us know. So yeah, man, if you've never heard River Runs Red before, do it. Yeah, because we'll as definitely soon as be possible. doing one of those episodes on River Runs Red. Oh just yeah, so man. Know. Yeah. Oof, on that note, what is your number three? <laughs> My number three fucked me up the first time I fucking heard it, man. It is from 1991, is Pearl Jam 10. Ah, yes. This almost was my number two. Mm -hmm. I could see I that. I was like, oh, man, I wanted it to be number two so bad, but it just didn't quite get there. I also noticed, man, my list is not very heavy at all. Hmm, nothing wrong with that. Pretty weird. But I also think that uh, a lot of it's because, again, there's not a lot of times that I like, that I really love the debut album. Yeah. You know, there's sure. the majority of stuff I like. It's not like, or like I said, it's a lot of new stuff where it's like, you know, like Ape and Annihilator only has like three albums. And they just released their third one like recently. Right. Like, I haven't even had a chance to really fucking fully like even get into it yet. Mm, right. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, I wanted stuff stuff with a little more, uh, you know, Pearl Jam 10 top to bottom is in my opinion, a perfect album. Hmm, you I have big hits, you know, even flow alive. Mm -hmm. You had black and Jeremy. Um, I do believe they had a release for garden as well, but on the back half you had fucking, I can't remember on the album if where it split. I can't remember if it split at black or Jeremy. Mm. Um, I don't remember, but you know, you start off, you got once, which is actually, you know, pretty fast or, t you know, kind of a lively tune. Yeah. So the lively tunes on here is like once even flows fairly lively, but mm -hmm. why go home? Like why go is really uh peppy, but the back half is where it gets really almost like a, a it's, it's like a pretty interesting. You got oceans, which I love. Oh, I guess you got porch porch is kind of a, a more up-tempo song, but like garden, you know, that's a real brooding kind of fucking song. Yeah. Deep's a little bit mid-tempo, but then you end off with release. It's And then they have, it's bookended by that. That little instrumental thing. Yeah. 
really fucking cool. Like that they, they, I love that they bookended it because it, it starts off with once. It starts off, it fades in with that, with that, but it fades out really quick. So you just get this really small taste of it, mm-hmm. and then at the end, with re- after release, I think you get like probably a couple minutes of it. Mm. I haven't yeah, listened I'm to looking that. Looking at it now, I'm listening to it now. You get a almost four minutes of it. Yeah. Okay. And it's really fucking cool, dude. And I think out of all of the grunge bands, this was the best debut. Now, I'll also uh, say, I can see that. In my opinion, out of all the grunge bands. Pearl Jam was the one that went downhill the fastest. I was just going to say that peaked the soonest. Yeah, dude. Because if we for, did for a Pearl me. Jam episode, I guarantee <laughs> it wouldn't be anything past. Uh, there, I might have a song or two off of. I think maybe something from Versus could make my top 10 or my mm. top five. Maybe. And I mean, I, we would definitely do a Pearl Jam episode, if anything, mm-hmm. just to get in there and talk. But we're, I would like to grab a Pearl Jam fan. Yeah, that likes a lot of their stuff, so that we get a little bit of different stuff in there. But yeah, but, I mean, I would listen to the whole catalog, whatever. Yeah, for sure. But actually, you know, shout out, shout out to man. I was just listening to this yesterday, dude. Fucking Nirvana, Bleach is a great fucking debut album. Oh yeah, for it's, sure. It's my favorite Nirvana album. In fact, I think Nirvana, I would have probably have more songs throughout their albums. Yeah, because there was than, only three from Pearl Jam. <laughs> but the reason why is because Pearl Jam's style, like, really. It's not that it changed. It's just this wasn't what they were supposed to be. Right. Yeah. They yeah, be- yeah. It took them a while to figure out what they were going to be. So mm-hmm. to me, it's like the first three albums are what Pearl Jam is to me. Mm-hmm. All of that other stuff isn't Pearl Jam. We're like, dude, the proof's in the pudding. All the other stuff, there's way more of it. That's what they really are. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it goes back to the LOA discussion, right? Yeah. I, I don't consider myself a Pearl Jam fan. And that's why, because. To me, it's almost like I don't like the real band. You could just listen to side one of this or the first seven songs or six. If you listened up to Jeremy and just literally didn't listen to anything else, you know, you could do worse things. Yeah, for sure. To me, I think Oceans and Garden are and release are, you know, that puts maybe two, maybe two. And I even like those two that you can kind of back burner. Mm hmm. You know, out of 11 tracks, like, fuck, it's just a fucking awesome album. And like I said, I mean, it fucked me up when I heard it, but we'll get into that on a Pearl Jam episode. Mm-hmm. What is your number two? So my number two would have been the most extreme thing in the world when it came out in 1987. Uh, not I for too long. Is. Yeah, not for too long, but, you know, for that little brief moment in time, dude. Fucking scum. They palm death, dude. <laughs> now, this is one we've discussed as an actual album I want to do front to back, but just a couple quick things. I didn't know. Okay, my I always assumed that, because it's two different sides, two different lineups, save for Mick Harris on drums on both sides. I always assumed that it was the second, they recorded the second half of the album because the first half was too short. I didn't know the second half, the B-side with Bill Steer on guitar and Lee Dorian on vocals was actually the album, and they thought it was too short, so they tacked on what was the scum demo before that to make a whole album. Yeah. Like, that's, that's fucking wild, dude. There's I a just, really... I just read that when we were on with Mitch Harris. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm a big demos guy, and so like, like some of the shit leading up to that, like the Hatred Surge demo, where it's a lot of the same songs, but with a more post-punky joy division especially killing joke kind of shimmer to it 
is is a trip, and especially because they've revisited that so much on the last album. If you if you hear the new album, you hear a lot of that Killing Joke influence, and that's what a lot of that was. And so to like hear that it's you know, I, I love all the stories behind this. There's a great documentary that got put out with the when Earache was going crazy with re-releases. They did one for Slaughter of the Soul because duh. Go check that out too. But they did one for Scum where it was, um, I don't remember who most of the people inter- they interview, but the only person that was ever in Napalm Death that they interviewed was Mick Harris, who at that point hadn't touched a drum set in almost 20 years. And they talk about the stories behind both halves and how they only, I think it was only like 60 pounds in 1980, whatever that would have been. And they just banged it out in a short amount of time. Barney and Shane were actually around for the recording. They just weren't in the band yet. There's the whole thing about how Shane was approached to join on the second half and he declined because he didn't think he was ready at the time or whatever. And now that's his biggest regret is not being on Scum when he could have. The songs on the first half, the second half doesn't actually get talked about that much. And I don't blame him, dude. I love the first half way more. The songs are way more. It's like for what it is, for extreme as it is, there's so much shit you can hum. There's so many little riffs that get stuck in your head. The entire song Scum get stuck in your head pretty easy siege of power which they close with a lot nowadays or and they have for a long time actually like just the fucking sheer amount of just memorable songs on that first half second half they play deceiver still maybe that's about it maybe one other song but yeah man front to back again i want to get more into this album but dude like it started grind as an actual thing it really brought blast beat to the forefront in a way that it hadn't yet. That would be adopted by death metal too eventually. But like, dude, this was it as far as extreme in 1987 for a very short amount of time. And like the fact that they still play so many songs off of this is a testament and it's fucking awesome. And of course, everybody loves you suffer. It's just fun. They even play it twice. Now they try to sneak it in past you twice. I love it, dude. It's hilarious. Fucking. I'm actually, I thought this was going to be your number one for sure. Uh, no, I thought it might be too. And then I remembered, Oh, oh yeah. So now I'm very, it's one of those. Uh, I don't oh, know what you shit, mean by one I'm of those. I'm really curious what it is. Yeah. If you've heard me talk about this band a lot, it's very obvious. But before we do that, what's your oh, number two? I think I know what it is. Yeah, you do. My number two, you can hear us talk about it on our episode. Uh, mine's Black Dahlia Murder, Unhallowed. Hey, there we go. We gush all over that episode about this mm-hmm. album. So I'm not going to try and redo that. So you can listen to us gush all over this album on episode 20, where we do our top five Black Dahlia Murder al- songs. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I believe we even in the episode, we even shout out the entire album. Yep. And then we have multiple songs from the album in both of our lists. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it is pretty spoken for. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, yeah, it's it's pretty intense. So yeah, I mean, I am really say. I mean, it's the heaviest thing in my fucking top five, which I just noticed. I was just like, wow, I'm really surprised at that. But it's just to me, I just think it's one of the best debuts. There's there's you know one of the best there's been. Mm-hmm. Um, not just one of the best. It's it's a favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's more what we're doing here. We're doing our favorites. This is not what we think are the best debut albums of all time. There's plenty of those lists that go around and, and the majority of them are all the same. There's a general consensus. Like I said, dude, Boston is very high on that list of debut albums of all time. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we're doing our favorites. I mean, we could just skip past this one. Cause like I said, go listen to episode 20, man. You'll hear me talk. You'll hear me and D-Lo talk 
all about Unhallowed. I'm surprised it wasn't on your list. Honorable mentions. It, it definitely crossed the crossed but now, the mind. And I'm just going to fucking take a stab here. Uh-huh. Now maybe you could tell us why Misery Signals' debut album is your favorite debut album of all time. And he would be correct. <laughs> yes. Yeah, man. <laughs> if you talk to a lot of people, this is like not a lot. Well, yeah, a lot. A, a, a number of people only like this album. They don't like anything else that came after. I don't know if it was the time it came out. I don't know if it was the vocals. I don't know what it is, man. There's something special about this record. When I first heard this, when I first heard about this band, and I could save a lot of this for uh, Misery Signals, uh, you know, episode in general. But like, I, I remember. Okay, so another band I wanted to put on here real bad, but I was like, do I? How do you have a debut album if you only have one album? You know what I mean? Right. This is this is the one I that I didn't come up. So the it's one not I, your first one, it's yeah. your only one. Yeah. <laughs> so I I got a shout out Seven Angels Seven Plagues Jasmine's Lullaby. Dude. Oh yeah. Um I think it's awesome that there's a resurgence of people getting into this now almost 20 years just shy of 20 years later. I think cuz like for a long time I would try to show this to people and they just couldn't get past the production or whatever. So I'm fucking thrilled that a lot of people pick up on this album, but that it's kind of hard to have a top five songs for a band that had one album. So I got to do what gushing I can here. Yeah. I really like this album. I've it's this one and controller that I really like. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the Devin Townsend ones, you know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's some Dude, proof. Speaking, in that of, speaking of just real quickly to interject, yeah. I actually didn't say fight war words solely because they only put out two albums. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, and they weren't like big enough, you know I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, I'll gush about this more in a Misery Signals album, but just like front to back, I love the whole thing. It's just 2004. I remember seeing the preview clips for the the year summer ended in June and five years on Ferret's website, which was a new, exciting thing. And I was just like, oh, some guys that used to be in Seven Angels, Seven Plagues. Okay, I'll give this a whirl. And it blew my fucking mind, dude. And I haven't looked back since. It's been six, six, no, 16 years. Fuck later. <laughs> and um wow time flies but i, I remember I like getting how, oh good i like how wide the vocals are yeah man like when like you listen to him in headphones man there's nothing down the middle yeah like, like he got crazy very very him. wide yeah because you can I've, hear the demos for this album all over the place man so the dem or the demos got leaked and a lot of people thought it was just an unmastered version of the album because they like got so close to it but i'd like devin townsend's production on there is as much of a member as any of the other five guys on here, dude. Like, it makes such a character, and he does little guest vocal things throughout the whole thing, even though he's only credited for the first song. Oh, my God, I love this fucking album so much. I will nerd out even harder when I um, <laughs> when we do an episode, but for now, if you yeah, haven't yeah. heard it, dude, if you love Counterparts, if you love The Ghost Inside, any of those... Dude, yeah, if you love Architects, too. Like, yeah. they, they have a lot of this stuff, man. Like, it's fuck man there's so many there's a lot of those bands around um what's the other god damn it i i've had the name and i lost it anyway yeah check it out yeah. so what is it's, your there's number a, there's one a lot of those that are like that man like yeah so not even close to a favorite band of mine but not only is this my favorite debut of all time i also think this might just be the best debut of all time uh it's pretty close between probably this and pearl jam dude appetite for destruction by guns and roses oh yeah okay you start off with that gnarly fucking scream from axel rose 
which was the first single, the huge fucking MTV fuck, you know, the, the first single, the big MTV fucking hit. And then you go right into It's So Easy, which is almost like a fucking, I, I don't know what, I, I always pictured it being like, like a It's So Easy and Night Train together. I always mm. kind of thought that was like a super heavy, like, and I mean super heavy because Rolling Stones are not heavy at all, mm. but it seemed like a really heavy Rolling Stones to me. Hmm. Like It's So Easy, I could see Mick Jagger singing that song. Right. And I, I don't know why. Being, you know, 1987, you know, I'm fairly young still. And, you know, hearing Axl Rose, wow, you just fuck off, you know, like, yeah, it was, it was a big deal. Night Train, you know, Out to Get Me, Mr. Brownstone, Paradise City, My Michelle. Mm -hmm. So you go Night Train, which was another fucking solid big song. Out to Get Me was a fucking deeper cut, man. Like, spoiler, that might be my favorite fucking Guns N' Roses song. Or it's, it's in my top five, I bet. You know, Mr. Brownstone with a... Paradise City, obviously a huge song, which I think was released third off the album. That makes and sense. then you get right down and dirty with My Michelle. Like that mm. song has like some just crazy fucking, it's that, it's that dirty Hollywood that these guys brought back to, you know, they, they took what Motley Crue did at the start of Motley Crue's career. You can hear us talk about that on episode 40, whatever, mm-hmm. 48 or seven or something. Yeah. But they took what they had, like they and they kind, you know, Motley Crue. They started that, and I mean, they kind of got away from that, and it got very, very pretty. And then Guns N' Roses brought back that fucking grittiness. They brought back that sleaze, and in a way, these guys were on the list for the top five things that killed hair metal. Yeah, this in fact, this was number two. Number one was fucking Kurt Cobain and yeah, 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 of course. But number two was Appetite for Destruction because they kind of shot glam in the face while being that same style. Yeah, it was just weird in-between sort of thing, but it kept remnants. They kept some things from it and then not others. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then you have a kind of a nicer, more of like a glam style song with Think About You, and then you go right into the huge hit, which to them was a joke song. Like, it was written as a joke song. Mm-hmm. Because there was some pop song on the fucking TV. Slash said he could write that shit all day. It was either Axel or Steven or maybe Duff said it. I don't know. But somebody said like, oh yeah, what do you got? And he literally just started playing the fucking main lick to Sweet Child of Mine. Mm-hmm. And it became a massive, massive song. Yeah. You know, and then you go to fucking You're Crazy. You know, again, explicit lyrics, man. Like, which was, I mean, this is 87. I mean, this was a big deal. You know, straight up, like you hearing a singer saying, you're fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) for sure. You know, and then you have a My Way, Your Way, Anything Goes Tonight, like another like fun Aussie style, almost classic rock, almost Aerosmith style, those classic jams, you know. And then you go, you end it out with fucking Rocket Queen. Like Mm -hmm. it's every single song. It's it's just like fucking, you know, that Suicidal Tendencies album. It's. It's like the fucking Pearl Jam album. It's like Unhallowed. It's like Pretty Hate Machine. It's like every fucking song, dude, is just awesome. Yeah, there's a reason it another, sold as much as it has. Yeah, and then another kicker too, man. Like I think one one reason why all these albums made you know my top five is like to me they're all perfectly sequenced as well. Mm-hmm. Like I love the order of the albums, and I mean you think about when. Uh, the Josta version of deep cuts where it's like, Oh, it's just on the back half of the album, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, sweet child of mine is not a fucking deep cut. 
mm-hmm. it's a greatest hit. Yeah. It's the greatest hit for those guys. And it's track number nine. Yeah. You know, so it's like, no, nah, I don't buy that at all. If you hear something weird, my cat, little, my little cat, uh, my cat's fountain for their water fountain thing. I think it's drying up right now. Nice. So if you hear weird ghost noises in the background. Yeah. I, I don't hear anything, but like maybe okay, it'll show up on, on the second. recording can, later. Hold on a second. <laughs> hold up. Oh, okay. Got it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That should hold it over for a minute, man. Like I've, I've been in the house when that thing goes completely dry and it, it starts howling, dude. Like you can hear it in the other room. You can hear it in our bedroom from this room. Uh-huh. I, uh, yeah, I'm not dealing with that. Have you heard of this phasmophobia game? Um, no. So it's where you, you're, uh, what do you call that? Paranormal investigators. You go to haunted houses and investigate the ghosts. So it's funny. Every time you go into a haunted house or fucking high school or whatever, uh, it makes a noise not too dissimilar to that. So it's funny that you call it ghost noises. <laughs> oh, well, so that's the weird thing. I was like, I had it on my headphones. So it's like, I can't hear myself, you know, and I pulled the headphone away from my ear and I'm like, okay, it's a lot louder than I thought. So yeah, it was, right. it was when you stopped talking that I noticed. Yeah. That. I was, like, <laughs> I was oh. like, I better take care of this real quick. But no, man, like appetite for destruction. I think if you're making a probably like greatest albums of all time, rock, oh, I'm almost any genre, really. This has to be in there. I'm now, not even a Guns N' Roses fan, and I got to acknowledge, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, I don't know if it would be a top 100 or a top 50. I, I, you know, that's that would be hard to do if you're going, like, all genres. Yeah. Just because it really depends on what style of music you like better. But, I mean, as far as any rock or metal fans go, this would be in, like, easily, like, a top 50. Mm-hmm. It's a really fucking cool album. And I'll also say, man, I mean, as far as, like, Guns N' Roses... In fact, I think that's the only one on my list that I really love the album cover. Hmm. Okay. What about I guess you? I could see that. Because like, like Unhallowed is not really much of anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> Pearl Jam 10's all Pearl Jam 10's all of them giving like you know doing like a high five deal. Yeah. Suicidal Tendencies is them hanging upside down from a fucking playground deal. I actually like the stuff in the background where it's all these old those old suicidal flyers. With the the crazy skate skull with the fucking the flipped up brim hat, it's a suicidal. It's all these like little flyers and artwork things. Mm. Um, I wish it, I wish the whole album cover was just that, just just that collage. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I would give it more props. But I mean, otherwise, it's pretty fucking lame. And then yeah. pretty hate machines. Like I, I mean, I don't even know what the fuck that is. So it looks like ribs, like an X-ray. Yeah, the yeah. Weird fucking x-ray in a negative of ribs or something yeah i've never actually thought about that that's a good point you bring up i'm just looking at my list uh malice is cool and it's like kind of sort of iconic to the people that like it but it's nothing crazy special river runs red i mean once you see the whole thing you're like oh cool it's blood yeah, running that down a drain cool. yeah uh hearts once nourished it's fine actually it's, i like that one too you know, uh which version there's two. Oh. It's like the one where it's like the chest ripping open. Okay, yeah, so that's the remastered version. The other one, I think, uh, was by Mike from now Kill Switch Engage. At the time, he would have been in Overcast, like like as one of his early ones. And oh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's something with a heart. I can't remember. You know, it's something that he would go on to reuse. <laughs> right. and, you know what I mean? In Kill Switch <laughs> stuff. Um, and it's fine. It's like... Makes sense for him. Well, so, so for Hearts Once Nourished, yeah, it's that. And then you get the re, uh, redone version of A Profound Hatred of Man. It's the other half where it's the face that's attached to the body. So that's cool. 
And that's like on a bunch of their merch and shit. But like the two I'm looking at as far as iconic album artwork, you got Scum done by Jeff from Carcass, where it's the crazy, weird, demonic, you know, businessman and the crazy wing thing. And then Sabbath, like, you know, with the creepy lady in the Oh, in the yeah. The Sabbath side. one is like, fuck, man. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I that at the same time, cool. yeah, they're it's awesome. It's iconic. But at the same time, what you're talking about with Guns N' Roses is kind of its own sort of uh, sort of league as far as all that goes. You know, with like the up there, up there, up there. You know, you'd know it without even having heard a lick of music because it's been put out there so much or whatever. A la Master of Puppets, a la Number of the Beast. Just certain things that just are stuck you know, in people's minds. Vulgar display of power. I'm trying to think of what the one is for Megadeth. I feel like there could be a few. For like their album cover? Yeah, you know, like the one, the go-to one. The go-to? I mean, I would probably say it's a toss-up between P-Cells and and rest in peace that's exactly where my mind went too yeah because so far so good so what's kind of weird but yeah it's it's just a shitty vic rattlehead right it's like not even a good one it's just like it's a distorted vic rattlehead is it a vic rattlehead i don't even know maybe or it's a guy some weird guy in a suit i thought yeah but i thought he had like a skull face or something yeah that's for a megadeth episode Uh. (laughs) but yeah no i get you i mean i'm iconic to the t with uh appetite man for sure fucking yeah oh dude like have you ever seen the in the inside picture yeah that's the other thing i, I meant to bring up yeah thanks was the like, uh, that shit is fucking sick dude oh yeah. shit man it is vic rattlehead he just looks like he has night vision goggles yeah it's on. Just, yeah because he's supposed to be like a soldier or whatever. wow i'll be damned yeah, 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 yeah that that inside picture with, uh, with your bitch slap rapping in your cocaine tongue you get nothing done yeah like, that picture is cool as fuck, dude. Because that was supposed to be the original cover, right? Yeah. And they just like, are you just like, are you fucking kidding? We can't have this. So they had the just other one. Just a naked chick on it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, I remember the story from, uh, from Greg from Dillinger, because that's one of his favorite albums, too, was like he had it as a really, really little kid, but he knew he had to hide it from, uh, he had to hide that artwork from his folks. So he like stuck it out in like a, between bricks on the on the wall outside is where he lived as a kid or something like that like you know stories that you don't really hear like that anymore because everything's digital and just time's different now but you know what i mean like i think we all had something similar to that not so much with the bricks we don't really do bricks out here in california but yeah. like, you know <laughs> bricks and basements but like you know like the little equivalents we had back in the day <laughs> so yeah man that's been our favorite debut albums something i Noticed, but I didn't want to bring up till the end because I didn't know where you were going to go. No top four. Not only no top four, but no real thrash. Because, like, for me, all the debuts are meh. I'm trying to think of one that's good. Like, because Bonded by Blood's a really good album. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it, it might be Exodus's best album. It's, it's considered the one, but it's also um, like, not my favorite. But yeah, like Kill Em All, Killing Is My Business, Show No Mercy, mm-hmm. and fuck is it fistful of metal? Uh, yes thank you yeah yeah yeah. and then uh you even get into like the legacy mm-hmm. whatever the first i think Doomsday for the deceiver is flotsam and jetsam's first yeah. one which it's all right i mean it's not terrible kill mm-hmm. all's all right it's not terrible yeah exactly and um, i know people who into you know is my business I, i'm not a big show no mercy fan either yeah me neither you know and it's like um even death angel the ultra violence is like it's all right yeah just something i noticed but i i didn't what's want to creator's first album oh shit i don't even know 
I, I think that might be a good one, but probably unless it's endless pain. I know endless pain is one of the earlier ones, and it's I don't really like that one very much. Yeah, but yeah, just because we're not, here, there's not a lot of those bands that had like the really kick-ass debut. You know? Yeah, I guess that was, now that we're here and we've said it all, we could say ones where we're just like, yeah, it was like Motorhead, the first Motorhead. Yeah, the first uh, Judas Priest. I know there's a lot of people that only like Paul Diano Maiden. Yeah, it is Endless Pain was the first uh, creator. It's There's just a shocking amount of bands that are really fucking awesome that really didn't fucking just knock your dick in the dirt on the first album. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, it took them a few albums to to get to that point where it's like boom here we go yeah and that's it's, almost a in a way amount. yeah that's almost in a way more interesting because you get to see the journey whereas uh, how many of those did we just name that that's like the only thing that people like from them, right you know what i mean so there's there's some of them that peak real early mm-hmm. you know what's weird too is like i mean a lot of these a lot of those bands like we talked about earlier it's like i like the first like one or two albums and then it's just like i just kind of drop off yeah so you know, like no, Seven Dust. I just yeah. heard the new Seven Dust album. It's really fucking good. Mm-hmm. The one before it's really good too. And everybody's like, they've been doing that, and I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to dispute that. I just think it's really strange that for some reason, man, just they never stuck with me. Yeah, even I, as much as I love those first two albums. Yeah, I think that's how it was for a lot of people. Um, Head Pee is another one. They changed a lot, but Head Pee was another one. After the first two albums, I don't listen to anything else. Hmm. I suspect that's the case for a lot of people. Yeah, it's well, Nine Inch Nails. I love Pretty Hate Machine, Wish EP, or Broken EP, and mm-hmm. Downward Spiral. I like nothing else. Uh, I like bits and pieces. They put they had an EP out recently, and Dave Navarro did the guitar on one of the songs that huh. I thought was pretty cool. Uh, just, but yeah, there's so much. Really that's weird. the thing that's kind of daunting about that ni- doing a Nine Inch Nails episode is exactly what you just said. It's going beyond Downward Spiral. You know what I mean? Fucking A. On that note, Thanks again for joining us, folks. This has been our top five debut albums. Let us know what yours are. I'm sure we missed plenty. Are you one of those people that likes Cowboys from Hell more than all the other ones? Or I guess that's not even their t- debut. Actually. Yeah, that's not even the debut, man. Yeah, <laughs> but let us know because that's always interesting to me too. I know one person. Hit us up on all the socials. I'm at Yes It Is I David everywhere. Jason can be found at Metalist Pod or Metalist Podcast. Like, rate, review, subscribe, tell all your friends. We love hearing from you. Please talk to us. Until next time, eat your veggies. Fuck your prayers. Talk to you then. Later.